Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Acts chapter 1, and I want to read one verse that we've read many times to sort of start off today to get us focused again on what the Lord is having uh, me teach and the reason for teaching it. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said in verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus had already said to them that they were to wait in Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued or clothed upon is what that word means, clothed upon with power from on high. We know that the disciples were born again after Jesus had been raised from the dead when they saw him and they believed and recognized that he had been raised from the dead, they confessed him as Lord and according to the scriptures, they were born again. We also saw last week, we looked back and found out that before Jesus, before they saw him raised from the dead, when they thought that Jesus had been crucified and that was the end of it, we find that they were in mourning, they were weeping, they were hiding out in fear, there was no joy in their life, they were not in harmony, they were not in unity. But then suddenly, Jesus, that Easter evening, he burst into their scene, came right through the door. And when they realized that, and they had already heard stories earlier in the day, the women, for instance, had gone to him and said, we've seen the Lord. The Bible says they did not believe them. Two men, also other disciples, not part of the 12, but two other unnamed disciples on their way uh, uh, found the Lord and he uh, made himself known to them. And they went back to Jerusalem and they told the brethren there, they said, we've seen the Lord, he's alive. And the Bible says they didn't believe them either. But when Jesus came through the room, right through the closed door, right through the wall and appeared to them, they were, they were amazed and they were full of joy and they believed on the Lord. Now we know Thomas wasn't there originally, but then later Thomas showed up and Jesus again came in. And Thomas doubted even what his other brethren had told him. The other 10 disciples said, we have seen the Lord. He came right through the wall. He's alive. Thomas said, I'm not buying it. Stalwart men of God. Such such leadership potential we had in the church. A bunch of doubters, amen, fighting among themselves for who was gonna be the greatest and so on and so forth. And when Jesus came in that next time and, and, and Thomas was there, he singled him out. He said, Thomas, reach your finger here and put it into the hole in my hand. Reach your hand and put it into my side. It's me. This time, don't be faithless, but believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Well, according to the scriptural uh, uh, assessment of what it is required to be born again, they were born again. We know that from Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess him as Lord that you'll be safe. So we know from that. But we also saw last week, we saw a profound change in their life. 
for the rest of those 40 days that Jesus was with them, they were no longer uh, uh, hiding. They were no longer fearful. They were continually in the temple praising and thanking the Lord. They had a radical change in their life as a result of the new birth. The new birth is supposed to produce a radical change in our lives. Amen? But then there's something else that God intends. He intends that believers not just be born again and live a good and peaceable and quiet life like the scripture we read this morning. That's not the whole story. Christianity today is considered to be at its best, on its best display when a person is born again and they become, uh, uh, they, they develop the character of Christ and they live a godly life and they go about their business and they have a good home life and God blesses them and they enjoy the blessing of God and God prospers them. And they, like I said, they have a good family and they have a good career and they have uh, all of the natural things of life that God uh, has for us. <coughs> Too often Christianity today says, the church today says this is model Christianity. It isn't. It isn't according to the scripture. Jesus said, do not lead to born-again people, born-again Christians, the disciples and the others who believed on him during those 40 days after he had been raised from the dead. He told those born-again people that were full of joy and full of life and had the, the, the glow of God on their face and, and had a change in their life. He said, this is wonderful, but there's one thing you must have before you carry this message to the world. He said, do not leave Jerusalem. Do not go into all the earth and preach the gospel. He said, until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, you're going to be endued, clothed upon with power from on high. He said, wait in Jerusalem until that happens. Jesus said here, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. the so-called spirit-filled church, Pentecostal, full gospel, charismatic, whatever you want to tag, you want to put on it. The portion of the body of Christ that believes in the baptism with the Holy Spirit and has this experience of being filled with the Spirit I'm addressing that portion of the church. This portion of the church of which I speak is woefully backslidden. Because where's the power? Now we believe in speaking with other tongues. Because speaking with other tongues, and and we'll show more evidence as we go along, speaking with other tongues is the initial sign that a person has been baptized with the Holy Spirit, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The, the, The thing that happens that God always grants is utterance in other tongues. We've we'll see that conclusively. We've looked at a little bit of it. But it's about more than just speaking with other tongues. 
It's about having power. God has ordained that the Christian be like Christ. That the church have the same power that Jesus had in his earthly walk. And that the power that Jesus had would be demonstrated through the church. That's what God intends. There's a reason for this. Jesus said you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will receive power to be witnesses for me. In the early church, in the first generation of the church, believers in Christ became powerful witnesses because of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I've talked about the fact that the disciples were saved and they were full of joy and they were continually in the temple. At, that would be the equivalent of, of continually being in church. They didn't realize that, that their days in the temple were over and that God had raised up a church. The, the, really, the revelation of the church hadn't come yet. It really came primarily through the Apostle Paul. So there for the first uh, year or so, you know, they spent time in Jerusalem and, and they were in the temple and they thought they were just sort of like a, a sect, you know, of, of the Jewish religion. They weren't. They were the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in spite of that, they were continually in the temple. They were continually in church. They were doing what was good. They were listening to the master. You might say they were good Christian people. Good, ordinary Christian people. If you're not full of joy and if you're not in church consistently, you're not a, a, a good Christian. I'm going to say that again. You're not a good Christian if you're not full of joy and in church a lot. I'm not going to say every time, but I'm not saying not every time. I'll say it this time, this way, every time there's an opportunity. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, there was as great a transformation in the church and believers that day as there was the day they were born again. There was a transformation in their life when they received Christ and were born again. But there was another transformation that God said you have to have. Jesus said you must have this. Amen. Now we see evidence of this. We looked at just one thing last week. Go to uh, I tell you what, go to Luke. There's a couple of places I want to go. Go to Luke chapter 4 and then go, we'll go back over to Acts chapter 10. But go to Luke chapter 4. We're going to read the fourth chapter, verse 1. Have you found that yet? Scroll around till you find it. And then jump back to the third chapter. Verse 22, and of course we know this was... Jesus being baptized in water by John the Baptist. 
And it says in verse 22, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus had the Holy Spirit prior to this? Sure he did. (laughs) Jesus' body was conceived of the Holy Ghost. You see the evidence of the indwelling spirit all through Jesus' childhood. When he was 12 years old, how did he know who he was? When he sat at the feet of of the teachers asking questions and giving answers, and, and they marveled at his wisdom. And, and, he, and he was so caught up with the things of God that he missed his family's departure to go home. And after a couple of days, they found him. And they said, what's wrong with you, son? And they said, he said, didn't you know I, I must be about my father's business? Who told him he, he was the son of God? Had to have been the Holy Spirit. Yes, Jesus had the spirit within him. But on this day, he was filled with the Spirit. Notice, when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. Jesus said, don't don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait until you are clothed upon with power. Now go look at chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus, excuse me, being filled with the Holy Spirit. The last thing we see, we see the genealogy is between uh, verses 20, uh, between verse 22 and chapter four, verse one, we have the genealogy. So the very next thing that happened after he came out of the water and, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form, the next thing we see, Jesus returned Being filled with the Spirit, he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was filled with the Spirit on this day. If Jesus needed to be filled with the Spirit, we need to be filled with the Spirit. Who are we to say, well, I really don't need that? If Jesus needed it, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need it. Now, I know on Sunday night, uh, uh, Brother Steve preached a wonderful message. If you weren't here, you need to shame on you, but you should uh, at least get the uh, recording and listen to it. But one thing he talked about, he said on Sunday's pastor is going over <clears throat> the things that we believe because we need to be reestablished in these things. That's true. That's, that's part of it. But that's not my only motivation. My other motivation is that those of, the, those of us who haven't received this marvelous gift, this marvelous blessing would receive. You say, well, pastor, you're pushing this really hard, just as hard as I push salvation. Just as hard as I push salvation. I preach salvation because I want to see people saved. I preach healing because I want to see people healed. I preach the Holy Spirit because I want to see people filled. Amen? And... Pentecostal churches have have traditionally experienced this problem that they begin in fire and in the zeal of the Holy Spirit, in the 
power of the Holy Spirit, but as decades pass, fewer believers among the church are actually filled with the Spirit. And some are satisfied to let others enjoy the power of God while they sit back and think, well, you know, I'm okay. Well, in my life, I'm not okay unless I have everything God intends that I have. If I don't receive what he has provided for me, I'm not okay. Amen. So I preach and, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm uh, advocating the baptism of the Holy Spirit without, uh, without apology because I want to see people filled with the Spirit. Amen. And it is true, like Brother Steve said, I'm doing this also to reestablish us. I don't know about you, but I never get tired of, of reading about God's plan even though I've experienced it, even though I know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, there's something about the plan of God that is just marvelous to me. God has this plan that people be born again and, and come in, out, come out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life, receive eternal life, be born again, become children of God, but then that they also receive the power of the Holy Spirit that they might live dynamic lives for Christ. And unfortunately, by and large, Pentecostal people today are backslidden in that we very often believe certain things but we're just not zealous about it anymore. We need to be zealous about the things of God. It's not, it's not enough to have the doctrine. We have to have the reality in our life. We, we need to be on fire for God. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and, 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 and have his power working through us. Amen. And not just drift back into what I just described as ordinary Christianity where we're just saved and we're blessed and we're going to heaven and we drive a nice car and we have nice looking children and, and, and nice food to eat and all of those things are wonderful. None of those things are enough testimony to this generation. None of those things are enough of a testimony to this generation. This generation, like every generation, will only be one when they see power. We have evidence of it. I, uh, I started going through the, the book of Acts, and I probably missed some, but I went through and, and my, my outline start, always starts with Roman numeral then the next subsection section, I go capital A, B, C. And then the next session, section, I do one, two, three. And the next session, section, it's little A, B, C. And then I forget what's after that. But I st- it just fell into my outline form to identify all the places where power was exhibited through the disciples as a result of the, of the infilling of the Holy Ghost and uh, I started in A, 
And I got through Z and I wasn't finished. I, I, I don't think in my notes I've ever made a point and went ABC and went all the way to Z. And so, like I said, I think I've left a few out, but it, it would it'd be worth our time to look. We looked last week. The first thing that happened when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter stood up and began to preach. And he preached like a house on fire. This was the same man that short, I mean, just a few days before had denied the Lord. And he stood up and preached and 3,000 people were saved. That was some, that's not ordinary preaching. Amen. That was in the second chapter of Acts. Also in Acts chapter 2, let's just, I don't know that we'll have time to look at all the scripture references, but they're so good it's going to be hard for me not to. In Acts chapter 2, we have his message, praise God. In verse, verse 43, it says, Then fear came upon every soul that is in Jerusalem, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. In chapter 3, we have the account of the healing of the lame man at the beautiful gate of the temple, praise God. And as a result of that healing, this man was, was crippled, had never walked. Peter and John went to him and said, silver and gold we do not have, but what we have we give you in the name of Jesus. Stand to your feet. And Peter reached out and took him by the hand and lifted him up. And the Bible says his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he ran and shouted in and ran into the temple praising God. Five Thousand people were saved as a result of that miracle. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about not, I'm not talking about what the church today considers ordinary common Christianity. I'm talking about power Christianity. Amen. Peter's bold preaching that day, he stood before the high priest who just a few days before he trembled before the little maiden in the, in the courtyard, let alone the high priest. He stood up before the high priest and boldly proclaimed Christ. And they looked around. Verse 21 and, and 22, they said they see in the man that was in chapter four healed, they could not deny that a notable miracle had been done. Glory to God. That's the wisdom, that's the witness, that's the evidence. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he declared that the church would go out and not just have the witness of a changed life and a good life, but have the witness of power that people would take notice of, that there's something going on. How do you think Jesus accomplished all he did. He did it through the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus did not walk on water because he was the son of God. We know from, from uh, Philippians that when, that when he came uh, and became a man, he laid down all of his and laid aside all of his divine prerogatives, things that he could do simply because he, because he was God. He was still God, but he laid aside the privileges that belonged to him as God and became a, a mere man like you and me with all of the limitations we have. 
So the only way he walked on water was through the power of the Holy Ghost. The only way he fed the multitudes was through the power of the Holy Ghost. It says in Acts chapter 10, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing. Every healing Jesus performed, he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit as a result of being filled with the Spirit. Jesus, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, we just read it, being filled with the, with the Spirit, returned in power. Hallelujah. This is God's plan. It's an awesome plan. In the fourth chapter, verse 23 through 30, the church prayed for boldness, for healings, and for signs and wonders. And the Bible says the building they were assembled in shook under the power of God. That's not, a, that's not some, some type of, of uh, uh, metaphor or something. The building actually shook. Whew, glory. How many of you can, can see? That's not ordinary Christianity. Now, listen, I'm going to say a couple of denominational names. I'm not doing that. I'm not being critical of them, but it's the best way I can come up with, with to, to kind of say what I mean. But I'm not inferring because there's some wonderful people in all these other denominations. I'm, I'm for them and I'm not against them. But the building shaking and being filled with the Holy Spirit, that ain't a Baptist service. You know what I'm talking about? It's just not. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's not most Pentecostal services. We need some building shaking. We need, we need to start with some life shaking. Don't be satisfied with drifting back into just a nice, calm, sweet Christian life. We were created to make waves everywhere we go. We were created to, we were born again and filled with the Holy Spirit to stir things up. And if we're not stirring things up, we're not satisfying and and meeting the plan of God. Well, praise the Lord. Whoo, glory. Chapter 4, verse 33 says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I've said before, we can witness about the resurrection, and we can tell people that Jesus has been raised from the dead. That's not just what they did. They did it with power. Amen? With great power, they gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's like, well, they were apostles. Well, Stephen wasn't an apostle. In Acts chapter 6, he was a deacon. And in verse 8, he says he did great signs and wonders among the people. Just a deacon. Praise the Lord. Then in chapter 8, the church except the apostles. Everybody except the apostles were dispersed preaching the word everywhere. One of those who went out was a man named Philip. He was a deacon in Acts chapter 6. And he went to Samaria and preached Christ with miracles, deliverance from demons. He cast demons out of people. And people were healed. Lame people were healed. Sick people were healed. That's power. That's not ordinary Christians. That's not Methodist Christianity. That's power. 
Again, I'm not, you, have, you understand what I'm saying. I'm not being snarky or sarcastic about, I'm just, I'm trying to, 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 to illustrate something. That's not ordinary to, to what today is ordinary Christianity. Hallelujah. He had a, he, he saw a great move of God. He was one of those that was dispersed from Jerusalem because Jesus said, you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria. And that's where he was. And there was a great move of God in that city. Now, when that was over, the Lord led him to go down to the desert and he met the, uh, 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 an official from Ethiopia, an emissary of the queen, an Egyptian eunuch. And the Holy Spirit said, go go join yourself to that chariot. So he ran along and when he got up close to the chariot, he heard the man reading from Isaiah. And you know the story, he got into the the, uh, chariot and led the man to the Lord. He was born again. And he said, you know, well, can I be baptized? And he said, yes, you can if you believe. So they stopped the chariot. He went down in the water, baptized the man. And the Bible says that when, the, when, the, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip, <laughs> Philip away, caught him away. And, and, nope, and he just disappeared and they saw him no more. What kind of power are we talking about? He baptizes a man in water, and when he comes up out of the water, the, 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 the baptizer, Philip, is called away, just disappears, and next thing you know, he's in Azotus, in another city, bodily transport, transported by the Holy Ghost through thin air. Now, if that wasn't in the Bible, you'd think that's insane. It's right here. It's in the eighth chapter of Acts. I'm telling you, they were experiencing power. And they were turning the world upside down because of the power of God in their life. Oh, hallelujah. My goodness. In the ninth chapter, Ananias, a layman, not an apostle, not an evangelist, not a deacon, just a believer receives a vision from the Lord and is lent and is sent to lay hands on Saul of Tarsus that he might receive his sight and be filled with the spirit. Saul of Tarsus had believed on the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. He saw in a vision, he saw Jesus and, and, and had this great light and Jesus spoke to him and he said, who are you? And Jesus said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And so he was born again. He believed on him and he said, Lord, what would you have me do? So he was born again on the road to Damascus, but notice the very next assignment, God sent somebody to lay hands on him that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's right there in the ninth chapter. Amen. Did that produce anything? (laughs) Well, history says it produced a lot. In the meantime, while he's getting his Pentecostal uh, uh, legs under him. <laughs> we see the story of Peter and, and he goes down to a city called Lydda. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce that. 
And there was a man there named Aeneas, and he was healed. And when he was healed, all Lydda and, and Saran turned to the Lord as a result of this one man's healing. And then right after that, also in the ninth chapter, uh, Jesus went to another place, and there was a woman named Dorcas who had died. And Peter went in and raised her from the dead. This wasn't Jesus, this was Peter. So, well, yeah, but they were apostles. It, I'll be, I have to be frank with you. I believe in balanced teaching. It is true, you cannot deny, that there were more signs and wonders of this nature among the apostles and prophets and evangelists and and, and Philip later was was named an evangelist. That is clear that these things do happen more among uh, those in fivefold ministry, particularly in, in, in the uh, apostles' office and the evangelist and the, and the prophet. That's true. But we also see laymen moving in the power of God. So everybody is supposed to have power in their own lives. You might not go to a city like Samaria. You might not go to Newberry and preach and see a great outpouring of the Spirit like they saw. But every day in your life, there can be power. And there's supposed to be power. That's the whole purpose in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. If we don't long for that power, there's something wrong with our Christian walk. If we don't long for Holy Spirit power, like the Bible says we're supposed to have, if we don't long for that, there's something missing in our Christian life. And like I said, most Pentecostal people are backslidden. That never gets a lot of amens in Pentecostal churches. I'd probably get a lot of amens in a Baptist church. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. We see the Holy Spirit poured out on Cornelius' household. We see Peter, that's in the 10th chapter, in the 12th chapter, we see Peter delivered uh, from prison by an angel. That's power. In the 13th chapter, Paul and Barnabas are sent out by the Holy Ghost. That's Acts 13, 4, being sent out by the Holy Spirit. They ran into a a demon-possessed man, a sorcerer, Elymas the sorcerer. And by the power of God, Peter confronted him and through the gifts of the Spirit had victory. Amen? Glory to God. Great things happen. In the the 14th chapter, God confirms his word through signs and wonders at Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. And in the 15th chapter, Paul and Barnabas report on the miracles and wonders that had happened through their hands. That's Acts 15, 12. Also in Acts chapter 15, verse 32, there were prophets in the church at Antioch. That's, that's, not, that's not happening in the Lutheran, among the Lutheran brethren. I'm, not, again, I'm, not, I'm just picking on people to give you an illustration. I'm talking about ordinary Christianity. This isn't happening. They had prophets anointed by the Spirit of God in the early church. These weren't foundational of prophets. These were, these were prophets of the same class that ought to be functioning in the church today. It was in Acts chapter 15. That's power. That's Holy Ghost stuff. In chapter 16, they tried to go one place and the Spirit forbade them and they tried to go another place. Talk about Paul and his company. And then it, it, they, in the middle of the night, 
Paul has a, has a, a, a dream or a vision and, and he sees a man in, from Macedonia standing up saying, begging, come over here and help us. That was the Lord speaking to them. And so the next day they, they went into Macedonia and from there went in, they went from Thessalonica and Philippi and all those areas in Macedonia. That's, that's power ministry. People seeing visions. That's New Testament. In Philippi, they cast the demon out of a girl who was possessed with a spirit of divination. As a result of this, uh, this the, the local people thanked them by putting them in prison. But that wasn't the, wor- the last word. A great earthquake shook that prison, glory to God, and all of their chains fell off and they were delivered. Hallelujah. In the, in the 19th chapter of Acts, 12 disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit at Ephesus and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Also in the ninth chapter, we, we hear of Paul's bold preaching in Ephesus. And, and the Bible says that, that the ministry, let's turn over there real quick. Acts chapter 19. Let me find it. Acts chapter 19. Hallelujah. After, after these 12 disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues and prophesied in verse 6, verse 8 says he went in, Paul went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning, persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Now listen, all ministry isn't shouting miracles and signs and wonders. He spent three months teaching and reasoning and persuading them out of the word of God. What I'm doing this morning, reasoning and persuading and teaching for God's ordained this too. Amen. For three months. But when some were hardened and did not believe, you need to pay attention to how you receive things. Do you accept what God's saying or not? They spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus, And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. That's powerful. It took power to do that. I said it took power to do that. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So during these two years and, and three months, things like this were going on. Not only was he standing and boldly preaching and persuading and reasoning with the people, God also worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. There was power in his handkerchief. Glory to God. The next story is, is, is enlightening too. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. There were also seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish uh, chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? It takes the Holy Ghost to minister in the power of God. 
Then the lame man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Stripped their clothes off and beat the stuffings out of them. This became known to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The only way the word of the Lord will ever grow mightily and prevail is if Pentecostal people return to their power roots. I like nice things. We have a nice building. It's nice and comfortable. We keep it air conditioned. Do you like the plants out front? Aren't they nice? We have nice landscaping. We have a nice new parking lot. We like things being done nice. But nice won't win the battle. Nice won't win the world. Got to have some of that power. It's got to be power working. And power is not always nice. A lot of what happened in the book of Acts will get you thrown out of most churches. Start casting out devils. Start healing the sick. Start raising the dead. You think, oh, if you raise the dead, the whole city would turn out. Religious people will run. I said, religious people will run. I don't know about that. That might be the devil. Let's get away from that. Doing what God said do. Just doing what Jesus said we would do. Most 95% of the church, well, I heard about some of that going on. I think that's of the devil. No, weak Christianity is of the devil. Powerless Christianity is of the devil. Powerless Christianity because the devil robs the church of its power. That's of the devil. People are not of the devil, but that form of Christianity is not of God. It's managed and massaged and controlled by the devil. The devil's in control of most churches. Well, glory to God. I had no intention of saying any of this this morning. I hadn't even thought of this. But I'm telling you, the devil controls most churches. He dominates most Christians. He does. And only hungering for God and being willing to take everything God. If if we reject what God offers us, we have opened the door to the enemy to control our lives. When we fail to go after everything God has, we give the enemy permission to come in and work in our lives. Well, glory to God. They had power. The church had power. 
In the 20th, that's in the 19th chapter, 20th chapter, Paul was preaching and a, and a young man was sitting in the window on the third floor and he fell out of the window. He fell asleep. So that gives a lot of you a lot of comfort. I don't know about you, but I've fallen asleep in church before. And there wasn't anything wrong with the preacher either. He fell out of, the, out of the window on the third floor and it killed him. They took him up dead, it says. Paul went down there, put himself, stretched himself out on the young man, prayed, got him and said, don't worry about it. He's going to be all right. His life's in him. Don't worry about it. He went back up and started, went back to his message. Stayed till after midnight, I believe. And then, and then he had, you know, he was planning to, to leave that next morning. So he left and, and, uh, and they brought the young man in completely well. And it, I just love the way the scripture says, and they were not a little excited. <laughs> Something like that. How does that read there, Steve? Huh? They were, not a, they were not a little comforted. What does that mean? That means they were jumping and shouting and hooping and hollering and acting like Pentecostals and weren't ashamed because the man had been raised from the dead. Somebody said, well, if we'd have somebody raised from the dead, then I'd shout. You'll never see anybody raised from the dead until you shout because it's in the Bible. If you're not willing to shout because the Bible says it, you'll never have it. Well, thank you, Lord. Praise God. (laughs) Glory to God. Like I said, there were others, but I ran out of alphabets. I ran out of letters. (laughs) I didn't know where to go next. What do you do after Z? Yeah, make up your own. Start with Greek letters, alpha, beta, you know. (laughs) Glory to God. There's power for the church. The church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit must hunger again for the power that it brings and not be satisfied with anything less than the power of God. No, not everybody's going to be an evangelist. No, not everybody's going to have a, a, a uh, recognized healing ministry where you go from place to place. That, I know that because the Bible doesn't, doesn't demonstrate that. The Bible, I, I, I interpret the Bible by what it says and by what it demonstrates. We don't have evidence of everybody having a healing ministry. We don't have evidence of everybody casting out devils and everybody raising dead. We don't have examples of that. So God anoints certain people, but we do have power for everybody. And you can lay hands on people yourself. Now, you don't have to have a big ministry. You don't have to have a, a, a calling card. You don't have to have a poster printed up. You don't have to be in the paper, have meetings somewhere. You can just minister to people every day in your life and you can put your hands on them with boldness and say, if you'll believe, I'll lay hands on you and God will heal you of that. Hallelujah. There there ought to be supernatural things happening in our lives. Supernatural provision. Supernatural provision. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
you've heard of the expression life in the fast lane. You ever heard that expression? You know what that means? Someone lives in the fast lane, they life in the fast lane. You know, that means they got all the jazz going on, right? This is life, life in the power lane, life in the faith lane, life in the Holy Ghost lane. Is, is a life of power and demonstration, and it's life in the glory lane. Why don't you stand to your feet? Glory to God. God has provided for the church a supernatural witness. Not just a, not just a natural witness. Anybody. You don't even have to be saved to witness for the Lord. And tell somebody about Jesus. You don't even have to be saved. Not many unsaved people do that. But I'm just saying you could. Doesn't require anything to just tell somebody about Jesus. And, and we should be a light to people. There should be something in our character. That, that shows Jesus to people around us. And really without that none of the power will accomplish anything unless there's love in your life and peace and joy in your life. But those things, God never ordained that love, joy, and peace and so forth win the world. He ordained that power win the world. The power of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Praise God. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me to the ends of the earth. I'm thinking that reaches all the way out to High Springs. Maybe maybe up into Columbia County. I'm not sure. It's got to be the ends of the earth. <laughs> we are to be witnesses. Hallelujah. I want us to pray today. We don't have, now if you're spirit filled, you don't have to pray for the power because Jesus said you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So, well, I don't, I, I, I want that power, but I don't sense that power. When, the Holy, when you were filled with the Holy Spirit, power was imparted to you. It's a matter of stirring that up. And you stir it up for, for hungering after these experiences, hungering to be used of God, hungering to be that kind of witness. You have to have a desire for it. If you have a desire for it, you can put your faith for that, that these things will begin to, to, to rise up on the inside of you again. And that glory that you've experienced in the past would be made fresh in your life. The joy and the, and, the, and the power of the resurrected life would begin to bubble up on the inside of you like it has in times past. And you, and you start being aware of that power. It's there. It's there. But we've allowed ourselves to drift into complacency. And just, well, you know, I have a nice home. Our retirement is fully funded. I'm going to be okay. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not what God intended. I like all those things, but he intended for me to have power. Not just a nice house, not drive a new car every few years. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Father, 
Lord, we don't want to be that backslidden church. Father, we realize that we were filled with the Spirit for a purpose, that we might receive power to be witnesses for you. And so, Father, we, we put our faith out today. We stir ourselves up. We stir ourselves up. Do your own praying right now while I'm praying. Talk about your life. Tell the Lord what you want. Stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. Reach out to God. Father, we we have to have this. We have to have this Holy Ghost power in demonstration. It's in us. It resides in us. Father, we stir ourselves up to be used again. Father, to be mindful of the world around us and and that they have to have a demonstration of power. The captives are captives all around us, Father, who are bound and they have to be set free. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, the opening of the prison doors to those who are bound. Father, that same anointing has come upon us that we can open doors, that we can set captives free, that we can open eyes, that we can can preach deliverance to people around us. Recovering of sight. Glory to God. So we stir ourselves up today, Lord, to lay hold of everything that belongs to us. We're not gonna be happy We're not going to be satisfied with just living a denominational life. Denominational life. And that includes a Pentecostal denominational life. We're not happy. We're not satisfied. Father, we have to have the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Glory to God. And so we give the Holy Spirit permission to move in our lives. Father, we consecrate ourselves right now. We consecrate ourselves to the moving of the Spirit of God. I want you to, if, if, if this is on your heart, I want you to come down here to the front. If, if you're moved by this and you want this in your life, there's something about stepping out. I want you to come down here and we're going to pray together. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be filled. You can be filled right this morning. Just while we're praying together, just say, I believe I received that baptism with the Holy Spirit, with the New Testament experience of speaking with other tongues, and the Holy Ghost will fill you. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Father, we assemble in front of you today, Lord, as a, as a, uh, a testimony, an expression of our heart, Father. We realize that you have ordained power from on high. And we realize that our world and our community and the people we see every day, they they have to experience the power of God. It has to be shown to them. They have to experience the reality of the risen Christ. He is alive and we know it. 
But people around us don't know it. And they won't know it until they experience and see the power of his resurrection working through us. So, Father, we ask you today, we ask you today to help us be alert. Help us, Lord, as we stir ourselves up. Inspire us anew and afresh. We stir ourselves up, but you can stir us up as well, Father. Your Holy Spirit can move in us and stir our hearts like we haven't been stirred in a long, long time so that we have our own Pentecost in our own homes, in our own families, in our own lives. Hallelujah. I pray for all of these that have assembled today, Lord. Father, that great grace would be upon all of us. Great grace to lay hold of everything that belongs to us, to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, to walk in the fullness of the power of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, may may we not be ashamed of your power that we not that we not fall into the company of the mockers and the unbelievers and the deniers but we fall into the company and take our place among those who experience your power and are not ashamed to be known as holy spirit filled people glory to god with all of the criticism that it might bring, with all of the scorn that it might bring, with all of the the misunderstanding it might bring, comes from religion and the hold of religion in people's lives. Father, we'll pay whatever price is necessary to have your power in our lives. And so, Father, we're, we're making that consecration today. This isn't so much a prayer of asking you so much as a prayer of presenting ourselves, consecrating ourselves, Lord. We consecrate ourselves to your plan, to your plan of power. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.